So I am going to go backwards in our series right now because this is the teaching that I wasn't able to share the day that our flight got canceled. And I want this whole series to be out there on the internet for you as well as for other people. This is a core truth, a powerful truth about who we are in Christ. The topic tonight is we are one with Christ. That's why the presence of God, the power of the presence is so almighty because he resides in us and everywhere we go, we carry that power. We carry that presence, but we need to know it. We need to realize the depth of who we are. And this is a big piece of our identity. Galatians 2.20 says, my old identity has been crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live as union, as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. So before I was born again, before I was saved, it was me, solo, trying to figure out everything and, you know, take care of life. And I didn't realize how alone I was. That independent thing is not all it's cut out to be. It's so much better to do it with Christ. And that's exactly what happened when I was co-crucified with him, when you were co-crucified with him. We no longer have this aloneness, this independent life. Because the anointed one now lives his life through me. We live as union together as one. It's not Cindy trying to do everything. It's Cindy with Christ. Christ in me. Me in Christ. He dispenses his life into mine. Say that right now. Christ is in me. We are in union. He dispenses his life in me. We need to meditate on that and come to the full knowledge of what we carry. The, I'm going to just share two or three nuggets tonight. And the first one is that we host his presence. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we literally host the presence of God in our temple. I'm going to show you that in scripture. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the spirit of God dwells in you. And the next one, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, I grew up in the denomination of Catholicism. Probably a lot of you did or still are, right? And one of the beautiful um, ceremonies in the Catholic Church is called Adoration of the Eucharist. And during Adoration of the Eucharist, the, the host, the communion host, the, the, the body of Christ is held up in this beautiful gold Chal it's not a chalice. It's this, I, don't, I don't know what the name of it is. Monstrance. Weird name. It's more beautiful than 
a monstrance. It's this beautiful gold thing, and the host is in the middle. And as it's lifted up, there's just this beautiful sense of the presence of God and adoration. Now, I am not being sacrilegious. I am speaking what the Bible says. That's what I am. And that's what you are. Because the Spirit of God resides in us. We are consecrated unto God like that host is consecrated. We are set apart, holy ones, saints. That's who we are. Why? Because Jesus made the way for the perfection of our spirit so that we would be worthy of being the host of God. He loves taking up residence within us, within his children. The next scripture I want to read is 2 Corinthians. It's also from chapter 6, just a few verses before the one I just read about being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So I want to just go here for just a second. An idol. It says, what agreement has the temple of God? We're the temple of God. God dwells in us. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? An idol is anything that you give more power in your life than God. And now I want to go to sickness, disease, pain, diagnosis, issues of life. If there's anything in your life that you are giving, allowing to have more power over your life, over your heart, than God, then you're doing what this says. You're coming into agreement with the idol instead of with God. You can't do both. You can't be in agreement with hosting this amazing presence of God and then agree with the idol. You're breaking the whole amazing package of, and power that we have in us. God's, you know how he th feels. You read the Old Testament. We're not all in the Old Testament anymore, but you know how he feels about idols. He's a jealous God. He wants all of us. To simply, and as I was listening to that worship song, it was so beautiful. Because it's just simply saying, yeah, God, here I am. Have, you know, come on, come on in. I breathe out my praise and you breathe in your peace. It's as simple as that. I breathe out my worship and you just breathe in your presence. It's as simple as that. But what were we doing when we were worshiping? We weren't putting our eyes on the idol. That's why worship is so powerful because it takes your eyes off of that thing and it puts it on Christ where we can be in agreement. One more scripture about this hosting of the presence. Actually, I think there's a couple more. Colossians 1 verse 26 and 27. This is from the Passion. There's this divine mystery. There's this secret surprise 
that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. So this was written, you know, I don't know how many years after, after Christ had ascended, but probably 40, 50 years after. And this mystery was brand new news then. It's also news for you and for me today. And here's the mystery. Here's the secret. Living within you and me is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. The hope of glory. The expectation of glory. What is glory? The manifest presence of God. We are flooded with Christ himself manifest in us and through us. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. The secret's out. But we need to believe it and say, that's me. Nathan and Kelly, when you go to that mall and you pray for the sick, you know that that's why you do it. Because you carry something. It's not just you. It's Christ in you. Kathy, when you go to the malls and pray for people, it's not you, Kathy. It's you with Christ. And the expectation of that manifestation coming out of you and being imparted to others in whatever way that is. Love, healing, a a, a revelation of truth, whatever it is that you're giving. That's the manifestation of God. Here's another scripture, Colossians 2.10. And you are in him. We're talking about us in Christ and Christ in us. You're in him, made full and having come to fullness of life. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. Christ is the head, and he's in us. Christ is the head and the rule with all rule, all dominion, all power over principalities and powers. And that don't let that word angelic throw you, because there's demonic. That's a whole other teaching. Demon, angels that have fallen, fallen angels. That's not referring to heavenly angels. That's referring to fallen angels, principalities and powers. He is the rule and the authority and power. And he is in us. I'm going to talk about that authority and power in one minute. But I want to go to one more scripture. The next scripture is Ephesians um, 2, 6 through 7. When I cry, my, my um, contacts get fogged up. So I have a heart. Yeah, anyway. I'll read from the screen. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor in his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. So not only is Christ in us and we're in Christ, Christ has been ascended into heaven. He no longer walks on the earth. 
The Holy Spirit does in us. But Christ no longer walks on this earth. He is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. And guess where we are? We're in Christ. He's in us. And we're in him. And it says right here, he has raised us up together with him and made us sit together in joint seating with him. Now that is like beyond our puny little ability to fathom. But I believe the word. And the enemy's under his feet. We host the presence of God. We're, he's in us. We're in him. And now I'm going to go to the next big point. Because we're one in Christ, with Christ, <clears throat> therefore, we rule and reign with him as a royal priesthood. I'm going to give you biblical evidence. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings. That's you. You're a priest and a king. A spiritual nation set apart, that means consecrated, consecrated as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Yup, that's me, that's you. He called us to tell people to, what about darkness and about light and how to move from one place to another, to broadcast his word. Today, I've been talking to God a lot. I have a lot of questions. Some of them I have answers for and some of them I don't, and that's okay. But one of the questions I said was, God, why did Heather choose to stay in heaven? I thought she was going to choose to come back. I really did. And he, I think he answered it today. He said, the reason Heather chose to stay in heaven is because of Sarah, Sarah, and Cindy. He knew, she knew, Sarah, or Heather knew that we're going to keep doing this. <laughs> that we're going to keep broadcasting the glorious wonders of God throughout the world. And she said, it's covered. <laughs> and she knew that we were going to be propelled to even higher levels of boldness. And I think she just says, it's okay. Look at him. <laughs> I, I, and maybe I'm wrong. But that's, that's what I felt that he gave me today. So... I want to look right now at Jesus and his disciples. I want to look at what Jesus did with this authority and power when he walked on this earth and then how that applies to us. So this is Luke um, 9, verse 1 and 2. Jesus was walking on this earth, and he called the 12, and he gave them authority and power to deal with all the demons and to cure diseases. He commissioned them to preach the news of God's kingdom and to heal the sick. So, in this scripture, it says he gave them authority and power, the 12. Now, this is before he had paid the price, before he had shed the blood, so that there was no sin barrier. I mean, so that they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, this was a major impartation that he imparted. Authority and power. 
And he gave them three things that they needed to do with that authority and power. Preach the word, heal the sick, and cast out demons. I want to talk for just a second about those two words, authority and power. Authority is the Greek word exousia. Exousia means the power of influence and right privilege. The right to exercise power. And it must be obeyed or submitted to. He gave the apostles the same authority and power over demons, over disease that he carried. The right, uh, the privilege, the influence, and it must be submitted to. In this world, the symbol, a symbol of authority is a badge. If you, um, if a police officer pulls you over or whatever, the first thing he does is, I think, I don't, I haven't been pulled over very many times, but they do it on TV. They, they, they show the badge and that badge is the symbol of their authority. We have that symbol of authority, the Holy Spirit in us. We have that authority. Now, authority comes through commission. It must be, we must be authorized. We, authority must be conferred upon us. That's what happens with police officers. That's what happens with believers. In this account, the apostles could only walk in authority if they embraced the mission. Same with us. We can only walk in the authority that we're commissioned if we embrace the mission of Christ and say, I, I, okay, God, I will do what you call me to do. And that's what they did. They were commissioned. Now that prefix, co, literally means with. They were called to come into mission with Jesus. So what was Jesus' mission? 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, I've been thinking about this and meditating on this, and there are a couple other scriptures where it talks about why Christ was manifested. But the big picture is, Christ Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, he was always talking about the kingdom of God. He was showing the kingdom of God. He was advancing the kingdom of God. So I believe that is a huge part of Jesus' mission, is advancing the kingdom of God. And the opposite of that is this, destroying the kingdom of darkness. So his mission, if we could put it in a, in a one sentence, would be advancing the kingdom of God and destroying the kingdom of darkness. Authority to do that. The next word is power. Power. The Greek word is dun, or dunamis. Dunamis. And dunamis means an inherent power. I love this. Inherent. I talked about this the other day. I wasn't here though. Inherent power means it resides in you by virtue of your nature. It's who you are. It's who God is. This inherent power. It exists within and it's inseparable. He gave them that same authority. That in or that same power. That same inherent, inseparable power. That, I need to meditate on that. God just said, okay, Cindy, you need to meditate on that. 
Because you know, when I lay hands on the sick and believe for healing, I need to know that I carry the inherent power of God. It's not something I have to work up or believe for. It's in there. Because Christ is in there. The inherent, inseparable power of God. And it's miracle working power. Dunamis means miracle working power. So the apostles were empowered. They were authorized with authority and they were empowered. The prefix M means to be, um, to put on, to surround or cover with, to furnish with. They were furnished with the power of God. So I'm going to go to a couple scriptures to give you evidence. They had this authority. They had this power. Let's see what they did with it. Luke 9 verse 6. After departing, they went about from village to village, preaching the gospel and restoring the afflicted to health everywhere. There's two of those three things that Jesus said. They preached the word and they healed the sick. Now go to the next one. This is the next chapter. Jesus, after he commissioned the 12 apostles, then he did the same thing with 70 believers. And those 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So there's casting out demons. Sorry, this has been doing that lately. We may have to put a new wire on it or something. So that's evidence of the authority and power that they carried. Now, how does that apply to you and me? We, too, are commissioned with authority we too are empowered with the dunamis power of God. I want to share with you two distinctions of Jesus that set him apart from all humanity when he walked on this earth. When Jesus was a human being on this earth, there was, he carried no sin. That distinguished him from all other people because when Jesus walked on this earth, everybody had a sin nature except Jesus because he was conceived by the Spirit of God, and he had no sin nature in him. So there was nothing that separated him from his father. That's one distinction. The second distinction was that he was baptized with the Holy Spirit and filled with power. And he was completely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. I taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit about a year ago. And one of the things that I shared is that... Um, when Jesus was baptized, he um, was completely filled with power it, within him and upon him to go about doing the work of the, the kingdom. In the, before that, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for a certain time, for a certain need, but they weren't filled and endued with the Spirit of God to be with them always until Jesus. Jesus had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he depended on the Holy Spirit. So those were the two distinctions of Jesus. We have the same two distinctions as believers. Because of what Jesus did, they didn't have it before Jesus paid the price. But we do now. First of all, we no longer have a sin nature as children of God, the sin has been completely, the sin barrier has been completely removed. Our spirit is perfected. We have been reconciled unto God. 
There is no division. There is nothing separating us from Father God, just like Jesus had nothing separated, separating him from Father God. We don't either. That's number one. Number two, we have the same baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have the same infilling, overpowering, amazing, wonderful Holy Spirit that Jesus had. But the question is, how dependent are we? Are we, are, do we give the Holy Spirit freedom? You know, is there an absolute open conduit of electrical power? You know, I think sometimes I hinder him. I get in his way. I don't know. I just, I want more. I know that. I want it. I want it. I want, I just, ugh. I want more. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. So let's look at our commissioning. I'm going to read you two scriptures about our commissioning. The first one is in Mark chapter 16. This is after Jesus had died and been um, resurrected. Right before he ascended into heaven, he spoke these words. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Same thing he told the apostles in the 70. They will speak with new tongues. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. That's power over the enemy. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. That's healing the sick. So then after God had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. That's preaching. And the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. So be it done unto me, according to that word. We were commissioned as believers to do that. We can't do it without authority and power. There's no way. The second commissioning scripture is in the Gospel of Matthew. The, again, the last chapter. After Jesus had died, resurrected, and right before he ascended... He came and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says, Go, therefore. So he had retrieved authority and power from the enemy who at the fall of man had tricked mankind out of authority and power and dominion. And he had won it back for us through his blood. And then the next words were, go therefore. In between the period and the go, Jesus is saying, here you go. Authority and power. I believe with all my heart that we were commissioned and empowered. And he says, okay, I've got the power and authority. I'm imparting it to you. Now go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let it be done to me according to that word. That's what amen means. So, we have been commissioned with the same authority that Jesus has. We've been authorized with kingly influence and privilege to enforce the enemy's defeat, and that defeat must be submitted to. We've also been empowered. John 14. Jesus is speaking. 
I love this word. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. I feel like that's me. It's like, believe me that Christ is in me and I'm in Christ. Believe me. And if you don't believe me, look at the works. Look at the fruit of this ministry. Look at the fruit of what God did in Kent and I when he healed me of cancer all those years ago. Look at the fruit. If you don't believe what the Bible says, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, look at the fruit. Look at the works. And that's what Jesus was saying. And, he said, and then, and then he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will he do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. And we know what happened when he went to his father. Then the Holy Spirit came. Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We testify. We are witnesses when we carry that power and allow that power to flow through us. When we stand in the authority we have as believers and take a risk, and take a risk, and you know what? It doesn't matter what you see or what you don't see. You keep taking the risk. You keep taking a stand. Bill Johnson says, more people get healed when you pray for more people. I was talking to my mentor today, Fran, and telling her, you know, what, what happened yesterday? And she said, Cindy, first of all, she said, I'm proud of you. And she says, keep doing it. God is setting you up, showing you, giving you direction. Don't stop. And she's talking about praying to, have, to raise the debt is what she was talking about specifically. And she said, okay, you just go, girl. You just go. So whether you see it, whether you don't, the word is true. And I'm going to do what God says in his word. And I believe this is the last scripture, Matthew 10. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We are commissioned. We are given authority. We're given power. And I say yes to God. Do you say yes to God? Yes. yes. So I have to tell you, I want to close with this. God spoke to me. Uh, I, I got it dated. It was January 30th. I was declaring a scripture. I do, I do that a lot. I have a lot of word that I just meditate on. And this is the word I was meditating on. It's Exodus 4, chapter 11 and 12. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. So that was Moses, the guy who didn't think he was qualified to speak. And God's saying, oh, you know, I'm there. 
It's not just you. It's me too. You know, it's not, I made your mouth. I can give you the words. I can help you. That was, I'm paraphrasing. And, and so I was, and I, the reason I declare that is because I speak for God. I teach for God. And so I declare words like this to build me up and to just get my focus in the right place that it's not me, it's, it's God through me. And so I, was t- I took that word and I was just talking to God about it and meditating about it and just, um, just and this is what I do when I, when I meditate on the word. And I wrote down, because I journaled this immediately as soon as God spoke this to me. And I started to talk to God. And I took this scripture and I, and I started to make it personal for Cindy. And this is what I, I said. The Lord said to me, Cindy, who has made your mouth or your hands or your feet or your heart? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go. That's my commissioning. I will be with your mouth, Cindy, and teach you what to say. I will lay hands on the people and heal them through your hands. I will lay out your steps in front of you. I will fill your heart with my heart. And then I started to say, because I'm meditating this, I'm speaking it. And I started to say, God, I know it's nothing about me. It's everything about you. But that's not what came out of my mouth. This is what came out of my mouth. I said, God, it's nothing about me. It's everything about us. And I believe God put that word in my mouth. Because he needs us. We're in co-mission. That means together, partnering together. And when I go, anywhere I go, when I go to the hospital to say, okay, God, I will do what you said. I will be not afraid and I will only believe. And I will say to Letha Coom, little girl, arise. It's not me, it's us. I need you, God. It's not me. You're in me. And when I go, now what I do when I drive the car and I'm going somewhere to pray for somebody, I wish I could let him drive, but I don't quite feel that comfortable. So he's in the passenger seat and I'm driving and I'm looking over there and saying, okay, God, here we go. You and me, it's us. We're going to pray for this person. We're going to, to do this. We're going to do that. And, and so that's an, a piece of our identity, friends, that we need to step into. To get out of the way and say, it's not me, it's us. It's not me and it's not just you, God. It's us. He needs us. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouth. We have been commissioned with the same authority, the same power as Christ. And we need to use it. So I pray, I pray that we honor the life of a young woman that we all love by stepping out and carrying on the word of God and praying for the sick and seeing them healed. Because Heather says, I'm just staying here. Sarah, Sarah, Cindy, you're going to carry on. And I'm saying, oh, no, Roy and Pat and Nathan and Kelly and Kathy and everybody in here. Mary Lou, that goes for you, too. Leah, Dale, all of us. It's our call 
And that's what we're going to step into. So let's be bold. I'm going to be bolder. I've decided.